We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Villato. And Today we have a special guest joining us on the show. It's John Glennon who covers the Tennessee Titans for Fan Nation Network and SI Sports Illustrated channel. He also covers the Preds for NHL.com, so that's pretty cool. UVA grad, so he's got that Bennett uh the Bennett uh, basketball roofer, which is great because I'm a Wisconsin fan and we have those Bennett ties too. So all good stuff on that level, but John, thank you for joining us today. And we're excited to have you here. Sure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's get into this thing. Let's jump right into this matchup because the Titans, it's an interesting one. They opened around four and a half, five point favorites. That line has jumped to six and a half. I think everyone's kind of on the same page. The Titans are going to take it to the Giants. But I wonder if that is the case because it is week one and we see tricky things happen. So I want to start with the overall identity of this Titans offense under coordinator Todd Downing. So we know Derek Henry. He's back. Looks like he's healthy from everything I've seen, which is really important. And you know, Wink Martindale, Giants' new defensive coordinator, basically called him the king. He said, you got to unthrone the king. And that's a scary thing for the Giants right now because they just cut their starting linebacker from two years ago, their best linebacker, Blake Martinez. Tay Crowder, former seventh rounders in there. They might have a rookie fifth rounder playing in there with um, Micah McFadden, uh, Austin Kalitra. So do you think this Titans offense will look similarly to what we've seen with a healthy Derrick Henry or will there be some new wrinkles? Um, you know, there'll probably be a, some new wrinkles. I mean, they added this year a, a passing game uh, coordinator in Tim Kelly. So, you know, they'll probably shake things up a little bit there. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, there, there's a lot of new faces when it comes to the um, to the pass catchers. Uh, you know, gone, of course, is A.J. Brown and, and Julio Jones. You know, and, and you've got some question marks in the receiving game with, you know, Traylon Burks, the rookie uh you know, it was kind of off and on during during the offseason. Robert Woods is coming off an ACL injury, um, you know, and, and your top tight end is Austin Hooper. He's new to the team as well. So there's a lot of questions about the passing game, you know, and, and I think the known quantity is Derrick Henry and the running game at this point. So as, as you mentioned, everything looks, uh, you know, as if Derrick Henry is, is healthy and ready to go as best we can tell. Uh, you know, simply by watching him in practice. So I would expect, uh, you know, a heavy, heavy dose of, of Derrick Henry, especially as the Titans kind of try to figure out what they have in the passing game this year. Um, you know, and, and what has worked very well in the passing game for the Titans the last few years has been play action. 
because Derrick Henry has been so successful. So if they can get him running, uh, get him churning, uh, you know, the way he's capable of, then I think that play action game will will really uh, kick in. And I have a question based off of that for you, John, because matchups are a key in all these types of games. And Traylon, so the Giants just, I'm sure you're aware, but the Giants are basically a one-man cornerback team right now. They have a Dory Jackson, former Titan, who actually had a really good season with the Giants last year. Is kind of unknown, kind of under the radar, but the tape was awesome. And then that's kind of about it. They got a former third-round pick, Aaron Robinson, who they're trying to put in as the cornerback too, but he struggled in the preseason. And so... What is the deal right now with Traylon Burks? Because I've seen so many varying reports. First, you know, I've looked at the preseason usage. He was playing into the fourth quarter of some games with the third team. And then I hear a report saying that he, the Titans have a really big plan for him, maybe as soon as week one, but they just, and that's why they wanted to get him so much run to put him in different situations. Do you expect him to line up in two receiver sets or even three receiver sets in this matchup? It, it could be, you know, I, I, I saw that report too about the uh, kind of the great secret weapon uh, being yeah. unveiled and so forth. I'm a little skeptical uh, of that. You know, I, I think Traylon Burks is eventually going to be very, very good. You know, he's very talented, but you know, he had, you know, a spotty off season, you know, he had a lot of conditioning issues. He had asthma that he dealt with during the off season. He missed mini camp altogether, missed a lot of, of time during the off season. He came back, uh, and had a pretty good training camp, but again, missed some time here and there with injuries. And, and I think a couple other things you got to factor in about Traylon Burks. You know, he actually, as big as he is, you know, he's like 6'2", 230. He actually played slot, you know, maybe like 75% of the time at Arkansas uh, last year. So really, he's kind of adjusting, you know, to the outside in the NFL and, you know, they were, they were an RPO offense, uh, you know, at Arkansas also. So he's adjusting, you know, to the NFL scheme there also. So I, I think there's going to be a little learning curve for Traylon Burks. Um, again, I think, you know, the, the skill set is there. Uh, you know, it's a big guy. Uh, not, not a blazer, um, but he still can make some deep catches because he's good with the contested catches and good at stacking defenders uh, as well. But it's just going to take a, a little bit of time, in my opinion, um, you know, Ryan Tannehill mentioned it too yesterday that, that you know, some of those reps missed during the offseason, you can't get them back. You know, he said Traylon's done a good job since then, but, um, you know, I, I think uh, it'll take some time before he really flashes, is, is my opinion anyway. Now he'll go out and catch 150 yards yeah. in week one, so we'll see. That'd be the Giants' luck right there. There were a ton of manufactured touches for Traylon Burks dating back to his time at Arkansas. But, John, then I have to ask you about the offensive line. Are there any concerns with this unit? I mean, losing Roger Saffold, now he's a member of the Buffalo Bills. And the Giants got Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams going up against undersized guards like Aaron Brewer. And I don't even know who's starting at right tackle. Is it Dylan Reduns or Nicholas Petit-Freer? So what is the level of concern with the Titans I, offensive line? I think there's a, a pretty significant level of concern. You know, this was a line last year that gave up 47 sacks. Uh, you know, and then lost a, a couple of starters. You mentioned Saffold and, and another starter for the Bills, David Questenberry at right tackle. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, starter at right tackle is going to be a rookie, Nicholas petit Frere. you know, out of Ohio State. Uh, um, won the job over over a second-year guy, Dylan Radins. Uh, um, and then, yeah, left guard is, is kind of a question mark, too, because Aaron Brewer, you know, to me is one of those guys, he's a – He's a good athlete. He's a good scrapper, a fighter. Everyone loves him. Um, and, and kind of, but to me, he's kind of more of a uh, a reserve guy that you know that you can really count on. He's versatile. You know, he'll step in when necessary. 
I'm not sure how he's going to hold up against these kind of these monsters on the on the interior defensive line. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure they're going to have to help out Nicholas Petit Frere in his in his first NFL start at right tackle as well. So I think there are some legitimate concerns about the Titans offensive line, um, you know, especially, as I say, given the fact they gave up 47 sacks last year. And, and you know, there are some different personnel uh, in there this year as well. So we'll see how uh, Tannehill stands up. I wanted to ask about another rookie wide receiver that you guys had that has been receiving pretty good reports coming out of camp, and that's Kyle Phillips, the kid out of UCLA. We loved him coming out of the draft, and it seems like he's meshed well with what you guys are doing on offense. Do you think he'll have an early season role with the team? I do. Yeah, I, I, he has been uh, you know, a, a quick learner. I, I think uh, he has settled in very well. Um, you know, and, and the Titans were certainly looking for that kind of that classic slot receiver, uh, and, and he certainly seems capable of playing that role. And in fact, it was kind of interesting the other day, uh, you know, where uh, Kevin Byer, the Titans safety was kind of giving us a rundown. We asked him for his impressions of the, of the Titans receivers. And he uh, called Kyle Phillips. He said, you know, he's kind of become uh, Ryan Tannehill's go-to guy uh, here during the, during the, you know, preseason, or, you know, during training camp and so forth. Just pretty high praise, you know, considering he's a he's a rookie. Um, so I, I would not be surprised at all. You know, you, you look at Kyle Phillips, he's one of those guys you you, you know you see, and, and you probably would never guess that he's necessarily an, an NFL player. He's not he's not big and, and he's not a burner, you know, a four three forty guy or anything like that. But we watched him in some of those practices the Titans had, uh, you know, against the Cardinals and the Bucks. Very, very quick, very, very shifty, and and was able to create space. Uh, especially well right around you know red zone and goal line and things like that so yeah i, I think he's going to have a um you know a, a pretty significant role for the titans phillips is an interesting one i think he's a deep sleeper for fantasy leagues for those of you who are in deeper leagues again me and nick loved him coming out of the draft as a prospect saw him as a bit of a cooper cup light maybe more of a hunter renfro in that sense but a bigger player than that and maybe not quite as strong as cup obviously but now with that steady drum beat, like John was saying, how he's been developing such a good rapport with Tannehill, definitely some somebody you guys should keep an eye on. And hopefully he doesn't kill the Giants this week because I, I still have my questions about the slot coverage too. Yeah, it could be an issue just in general, but I want to transition to the defense, John. So Dan has this just insatiable man crush <laughs> on Jeffrey on Jeffrey Simmons. So I just want to ask you, what is he? It, it is. It's a really good man crush to have. What does he look like in camp and how high do you think his ceiling is? I think he's uh, he's looked very good, and, and I think he has a tremendous ceiling. You know, he had a, a, a huge kind of breakout year last year uh, in, in terms of sacks, you know, quarterback hits, pressures, everything you could ask for. And, and really, there was a little bit of question going into this year whether, you know, he might kind of be looking for that extension uh, or that, that, that new contract already after just three years, uh, you know, even though they'd already uh, picked up the fifth year. It, it didn't play out that way but I think if there was anybody that was uh you know worthy of of uh you know signing to a new contract despite the fact that there were two years left it, it probably would have been Jeffrey Simmons um and and uh you know I, I think it would he, he would have been part of an incredible uh kind of front four that we really saw develop towards the end of last year uh and Simmons Danico Autry you know Landry Harold Landry and and Bud Dupree all of a sudden, that's changed, uh, you know, within the uh, the past week or so because Harold Landry is now out with the ACL. But nonetheless, I, I think, you know, Jeffrey Simmons is really going to be a an, an anchor still of a, of a pretty good front four, pretty good front seven, 
and a pretty good Titans D overall, I think. Speaking of the Harold Landry injury, he was also a favorite of ours pre-draft, really has lived up to the hype. What's the Titans' plan to replace his productions? Obviously, that's not easy. It's easier said than done, but the Giants obviously have a rookie at right tackle. This could be a little bit easy for him, easier for him now without a player like Landry across from him. What is What have you seen from the Titans so far there? Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, at least part of their plan, you know, Danico Autry is a, is a kind of a really interesting guy because he can play, you know, both inside and, and on the edge. He went back and forth last year. So I suspect this will mean a little bit more time on the edge for Danico Autry, you know, uh, Autry on one side and, and Dupree on the other. Um, but what they like to do is move Autry inside, you know, in, in uh, the, the third down and the passing situations and so forth. And then I think what you'll see uh, on the edge is uh, or who, who you'll see there is Rashad Weaver is my guess. Um, you know, a rookie last year, Barely got to play before suffering a season-ending injury. But a, a guy who I think has really got a lot of potential, um, you know, big guy. He's got height. I think he's about 6'3 or 6'4 or, or so. Uh, you know, long arms can can disrupt things back there. Uh, had a really strong uh, preseason. Finished it up by playing every single snap of the Titans' third preseason game. Um, and uh, I think is really moving in the, uh, in the right direction. So that's why, again – as, as significant a loss as Harold Landry is for the Titans, you know, I, I think guys like Autry, Weaver, uh, they've got another guy, uh, Ola Adani, who flashed a little bit last year as, as an edge rusher and, and pass rusher. I think they're pretty deep at that position, so it, it could be worse, uh, strange as it might sound, uh, when you're losing Harold Landry, could be worse for the Titans in that situation. John, I want to ask you a little bit of it about Shane Bowen. The Titans had 43 sacks last season, plus the nine against Joe Burrow in the playoff game. And I know the Titans, they run a lot of simulated pressure. Essentially, you just drop the end man on the line of scrimmage into a middle hook or a curl flat, send pressure from the other side, basically just send a deceptive four instead of bringing extra rushers. Last season, did, did Shane Bowen dial this type of pressure up at higher rates against younger quarterbacks who tend to have like processing issues? <clears throat> Daniel Jones? Uh, I couldn't tell you for sure. Uh, you know, I, I don't have the numbers exactly on that, but that certainly seemed uh, to be the case, uh, you know, I, I would say. And and you're right. I think one of the, the big keys to that, that Titans defense was, and especially towards the end of the year, as, as Dupree got healthier, that they were able to use only four rushing. You know, they, they didn't have to blitz very often. Uh, and, and I think that obviously helped the, the coverage quite a bit as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think a guy like Shane Bowen has to get some 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 pretty good props, actually, because his first year uh, really in that role was the year before. He didn't get the title of defensive coordinator, but he had all the responsibilities. So he took a lot of blame for what was a pretty bad Titans defense in 2020. Uh, last year, you know, this was this was kind of a top 10 defense last year. And, uh, you know, Shane Bowen, I, I think, deserves an awful lot of recognition for that. They did get after the passer very well. I think a lot of Titans fans were were very excited about that same foursome really wreaking havoc again. Uh, so there's been a lot of disappointment, obviously, about, about Harold Landry. But I still, as I say, the, the depth at the edge is pretty good, and I, I think they're going to be pretty solid there. I wanted to ask you a little bit, John, about the Titans secondary because there's a lot of big names in there, guys that me and Nick scouted out of the draft. They've used a, good, a, lot, a bunch of capital there. I mean, Kevin Byard, he's an obvious stud. Caleb Farley is an example of a player me and Nick tracked a lot, had the injury coming into the draft, 
fell a little bit. Roger McCreary, an even bigger one that me and Nick love. We had heard since the draft, the Giants were really interested in him and may have not moved back from their pick to then take Wondell Robinson if he was still on the board before the Titans took him. How is that secondary shaking out? Who do you expect to be on the field in base and then maybe in nickel uh, in this game? Yeah, I think in in base, um, you know, I think Christian Fulton is is a lock at, at one of the starting corners. You know, he he really had a good second year last season. Um, you know, showed some signs of potentially becoming kind of a shutdown cornerback over there. And then maybe a little bit of a surprise I, I, on the other side. I think Roger McCreary is probably going to be the starter in in base defense, the rookie uh, that you were just talking about. You know, a lot of people might have thought that that Caleb Farley, the uh, the first round pick from 2020, would naturally, you know, uh, take over that role. But, you know, Farley has played so little the last few years. You know, he didn't play his final year in college. He sat out due to COVID concerns. He only had 60 snaps last year uh, before he got hurt. Uh, you know, whereas Roger McCreary was playing a ton of snaps four years in the SEC, you know, led the SEC in pass breakups last year. Um, and what they also love about Roger McCurry, too, is the versatility. You know, I think in passing situations, you'll see Farley on the outside and they move McCreary into the inside. And they're really happy about uh, the way Roger McCreary has been able to kind of take both roles, you know, both outside and, and slot as a, as a rookie. I have a question actually about that because Roger McCreary is a little bit undersized. He's about five foot 11 and he has really short arms, almost Darnay Holmes level arms right over there. So Giants have a wide receiver named Kenny Galladay, who's kind of dust at this point, but I'm wondering if the Giants can maybe scheme up a way to isolate Kenny Galladay at six foot four against a much smaller Kevin Byard and possibly get any kind of production out of this player or see the type of cornerback who would follow someone like a Kenny Galladay around. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think that they have reached, uh, that they would do that, um, in, in that circumstances. I don't, I don't believe, uh, Christian Fulton did show some signs of that, uh, last year, as I said, you know, he could be kind of a potential, uh, um, you know, shut down a corner guy, but they really like McCreary. And, and as you said, the, the big question with McCreary is those, those arms, those really, uh, you know, unnaturally short arms, uh, and, and whether that will play a role or not, but you know, when a guy does what he did in the SEC, um, you know, and, and playing against receivers like, you know, the, the, uh, the Titans, Traylon Burks, who was 6'2", 6'3", 230, you know, that's a pretty good uh, indication, I, I think, of, of what he'll be able to do at the, at the next level as well. So um, certainly the, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the, the Giants do some uh, testing on, on McCreary in that department, but boy, he is a, uh, He's passed the, the, the test so far in, uh, in, in training camp and, and in the preseason. Yeah, that doesn't me, surprise. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, to me, I think McCreary checks every single box right. for Wink Martindale other than the length. I think Wink Martindale would be in love with a player like Roger McCreary as we were on this podcast. But, John, I wanted to ask you before we get you out of here, what is the level of intrigue around Malik Willis right now? I mean, I assume Tannehill is the unquestioned starter. But, I mean, he is 34. He's coming off of a less efficient season. And Malik Willis is kind of a lightning rod out there. So what's the level of intrigue there? Oh, I think it's high. <laughs> I, think it's, uh, I think it's very high because, you know, as we all know, Ryan Tannehill's season did not end with a, a bang, but rather with a whimper last year uh, when he threw the three picks against the, the Bengals in the playoffs. And then, and, you know, his, his overall season, um, you know, was a, a step down from his first two years with the Titans. And, and I think people are, are certainly looking ahead 
you know, next year he has another high cap hit, but it would be much easier for the Titans to get out of, of paying Tannehill and, and, you know, perhaps even releasing him, you know, for 2023. So there's an awful lot of intrigue uh, about Malik Willis and especially, you know, some of those highlight highlight real plays that we saw from him in, in preseason, you know, he had the, uh, the 50 yard run and, and uh, you know, he had a nice touchdown pass where he kind of almost looked like a Pat Mahomes type angle, uh, three quarter angle to, to avoid an onrushing defender. So I think, you know, there's an awful lot of, there's always interest in the backup quarterback anyway. Right. Uh, um, and uh, I, I really suspect, you know, if Ryan Tannehill struggles coming out of the gate, you know, you're going to hear that, that crescendo get, get louder and louder from fans. But I, I do think, you know, for the most part, I think Ryan Tannehill is unquestioned for, for this year, unless it's a complete disaster, simply because, you know, Malik Willis is coming from Liberty University. You know, he, it's a, it was another RPO type offense. And, and I think there are still things, uh, a lot of things he, he needs to learn. Um, but boy, yeah, we, we certainly saw some flashes of excellence. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of interest in Malik Willis. Thank you so much for joining us today, John. That's John Glennon. John, do you want to let us know, let the fans know, A, where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work as well? Sure. Uh, uh, follow me on Twitter is probably the uh, the easiest way to go. Uh, it's at Glennon Sports on Twitter. And uh, that way you can follow, you can uh, check out my writing on uh, SI.com about the Titans. And as you guys were kind enough to mention, also writing about the Nashville Predators hockey front uh, at, uh, at NHL.com as well. Thanks again, John. Have a great okay, rest of your guys. day. Appreciate yep. it. Enjoy the game. Go Rangers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then OddsTrader.com is the place for you. Odds Trader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. Odds Trader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day, weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's oddstrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. That was a fun little interview with John Glennon. I honestly feel like, Nick, one of the key points for me 
that you discussed, that we discussed, it feels like the biggest opportunity for the Giants in this game to me to win this game is to have the edge over a Titans offensive line that just isn't what it was. We grew to know this Titans offensive line a couple years ago with Derrick Henry and Jack Conklin there at right tackle. He's no longer there. You mentioned the issues they're going to have now on the interior as well. They have some flaws. They have some question marks. And ultimately, they don't really have the elite level players. I know they're pretty good at center and left tackle. I wouldn't even call them elite there anymore at that point with where both those players are at in their career now, careers now. And so this is a really good spot. Yes, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence should have an advantage. But if they were full strength, man, geez, Kayvon Thibodeau, no injury preseason. Aziz Ojolari, no injury preseason. I feel like the Giants would have had a massive edge there. And that could have been like the difference in just making this game a tough one for the Titans to cover that six and a half that people are expecting. I ultimately think we'll get to our predictions shortly. This is going to be a much closer game than the spread indicates, but that would definitely make me feel a little bit more comfortable. Nick instead, we're going to have to have a big game from Shane Zimenez. And I think ultimately what Wink Martindale said, and I think you tweeted this or, or, or I read this, or maybe I just saw it in his presser, what they're going to do and what they're going to make sure they do is stop the run. He's made that clear since the day he got there and all the videos we've seen, he's preaching, stop the run fly to the football and tackle those three things. And that's a big, you know, that's a big fundamental point that they need to hammer home when you're playing a team like the Titans who aren't going to get cute with it. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try to throw off play action. They're going to run the ball. They're going to try to throw off play action and they're not going to quit running the football. So yeah, you can make those tackles in the first quarter, the second quarter. What about the fourth quarter when Derrick Henry's barreling down at you and the defensive line didn't hold up and you're some like 190 pound safety? It's going to be really difficult for you to really want to take that hit when your body is that sore, man. The very human element of the game. And and honestly, I would feel so much better. I would if Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari were there because that would force the Titans to possibly keep Austin Hooper in to block, possibly keep a running back in to block six man, you know, protections instead of relying possibly on five man protections, but instead. You have a slight drop-off in terms of rushing the passer down to O'Shane Zimenez and Jihad Ward. I think Ward is going to be a big part of stopping the run out there, playing him out on the edge to the strong side, probably a lot of the time to really absorb blocks. I mean, his 290-pound frame with his athletic ability should assist the Giants' run defense in general. And I think the Giants need to align a lot of tight fronts, a lot of bare fronts, maybe more so than, than what we're going to be used to seeing or what we're going to become accustomed to seeing with Wink Martindale's defense because... You want to keep those linebackers clean. There's no rushing attack in the league that is more potent and more dangerous when all things are clicking than a Derrick Henry-led rushing attack. And I, I 100% agree with you, though, too, man, on, on Aaron Brewer. And we brought him up, Aaron Brewer, Nicholas Petit-Freer. Right. Those guys can be exploited, man. Aaron Brewer's like 290 pounds he showed up to, to his pro day as. He's a UDFA. I think he's been in the league for about two years. And like John said, he's very scrappy. That's the kind of player that he is. But, man, you can exploit that with Dexter Lawrence. You can exploit that with Leonard Williams. And I know Wink Martindale is going to attempt to. And then Dylan Redunds, who we didn't like coming out last year back in the 2021 draft. We didn't like him. He didn't even win the starting job. Nicholas Petit-Freer, who I feel like is a good athlete. But if you turn on Nicholas Petit-Freer's tape against Michigan, Dan, he got abused. Abused. So I would have freaking loved to see Nicholas Petit-Freer against Kayvon Thibodeau. And this is still... Oh, man. I still think even guys like Jihad Ward might be able to use their power to really just get through... Petit Freer. He's a good athlete, but man, there are some liabilities right there on that offensive line. Yeah, I remember us going through draft season and you kind of breaking down Petit Freer is not a player that you were interested in, despite a lot of, you know, strong pedigree and pretty much the frame that you look for. The Titans have been big on drafting these types of players. Obviously, um, the player I'm not forgetting from Georgia, who the Giants then signed 
Isaiah Wilson. Yep. And so we'll see if it works out for them. I think there's a good chance that at least right now in game one, it's not going to work out for them. The Giants will have an advantage, even with players like O'Shane Zimenez and Jihad Ward. And that intrigues me. The Giants don't have an edge in many ways you know, in many ways in this game, as we talked about in the podcast, the Titans secondary is pretty deep. It's deeper than people realize. Like Fulton's a good player. And McCreary is a player. We think could hit the ground running. We liked him a lot. I really do believe the giants would have drafted him instead of trading back for Wandale Robinson. If he was there. And I got to be honest with you, Nick, I would have rather had him on this roster than Wandale Robinson, because I, I, again, I just see a much better ceiling for them with a cover with a corner who has covered skills like he does. And yeah, he didn't fit the bill fully for Wink Barndale because the arm length, but if they were that interested in him as reported, as they reportedly were, despite that, it just shows how high they viewed his actual skill set as a coverage corner. But we'll see what happens there. I ultimately think what John said was important about Traylon Burks maybe not playing in two receiver sets, maybe not playing on the outside yet, because he's right. When we went over that tape in Arkansas, he did mostly play the slot. And yes, sometimes you can move from the slot to the outside in the NFL, but it takes technique. You always talk about the technique, Nick, between the corners on the outside and the receivers on the outside. We talked about that a lot when you broke down the preseason tape of Aaron Robinson this year. Well, what if it's not there yet for Traylon Burks? What if that's the reason they don't want to play him? They don't feel he's consistently can win on the outside with a technique standpoint. Because we know that Traylon Burks is not really a burner from a speed standpoint. He has good breakaway speed, much better than people realize. But I don't feel like he's the type of guy that wins right off the line of scrimmage with as a burner. So, that's big for the Giants in this matchup because they're obviously, as we know, a little bit potentially weak at corner two. And if they can just lock down Robert Woods with an Adoree Jackson type, if they do decide to travel with him, if he decides to have him travel with him, that gives the Giants really just one guy to focus on in my mind, and that's Derrick Henry. And that's the main focus, the primary focus, because Nicholas Westbrook Akeen, like he's a cool yeah. like player, but that's like a number four, number five yeah. on your team can come in and can like run block for you, can win a couple like inside slant type routes. Aaron Robinson should be able to handle that responsibility. And if he doesn't, right. then we're really in for an issue. And then as for the tight ends, Austin Hooper's a fine player. He, he's he's fine, but like he's not a difference maker. So you're right. It really comes down if the Giants can stop this run and slow this run running game down and own the point of attack. Yes. own the line of scrimmage, they might have a shot at winning this game. Let's not forget, man, last year, the Titans opened up against the Arizona Cardinals, and the Arizona Cardinals ended up going like 7-0 and and winning seven games in a row, but at that time, no one knew that. And the Giants, they're not going to do that. But Titans were favorite in that game, and Arizona went in there and kicked the ever-living crap out of the Tennessee Titans. I'm not saying the Giants are going to do that. I don't think that will happen. I think the Tennessee Titans will win this football game, but... I still think there are avenues that if the Giants can maximize their potential, then they can put themselves into a position to possibly steal this game on the road, which would be huge for their 2022 season. That's a great point, Nick. And I got to say this, man. I love Derrick Henry. It's a reason, one of the only reasons I was in on him on fantasy because there's so much of his profile that screams a player I, I like to avoid in my auction drafts. I believe that he could actually be the outlier. So I think that he simply can be an outlier from an injury standpoint and mostly from an age standpoint, from a tread on tire standpoint. I just think when I've watched him play, he's the freakiest best running back in the NFL. He somehow has breakaway ability at that size with that strength. So it is a big match for them, match for them. But like you said, sometimes it just comes down to winning the point of attack. And I think that even without Thibodeau and Ojolari, 
as far as the run game goes and just the pure winning the point of attack goes, the Giants may have an edge over this retooled offensive line with an undersized guard, like you said, a right tackle we think could be a complete liability potentially in week one for the Titans. So that makes me feel like they do have an opportunity here. I will say this one thing I'll be looking for, and we mentioned him a little bit on the podcast, Nick, is Kyle Phillips. He's a player we loved at UCLA. He has had an unreal camp. He's developed a rapport with Ryan Tannehill. And Darnay Holmes had a really good camp for sure, but it's not the best matchup for him. Darnay Holmes is a smaller corner with smaller arms. Kyle Phillips is a bigger slot receiver with a really good knack for winning on two-way routes, like a Hunter Renfro, like a Cooper Cup light, like an Amon Ross St. Brown. And so I'll be interested to see that matchup too, because I think if the Titans look across the board, instead of trying to get, you know, Westbrook, whoever they have there on the outside involved against Aaron Robinson, maybe they look at the slot as a way they can attack this Giants defense. Yeah, if they want to come out in 11 personnel, I mean, we look at the Titans as a team that likes to run like 12 personnel a little bit more just based on the fact that they like to run the football. But I think Kyle Phillips is going to find his way onto the field. And if Darnay Holmes gets dinged up, which he has been throughout his career, what does that mean? Does that mean Cordell Flott kicks out there and we're going to put Cordell Flott into right into NFL action? I mean, going up against another rookie like Kyle Phillips, he could possibly have success, but we haven't necessarily seen that throughout training camp because he was injured a lot of the time. And I think another important note here, Dan, something that could go in the Giants' favor. All right. Jeffrey Simmons blocking him is going to be an absolute nightmare. He's going to just be a game wrecker in the interior parts of the offensive line. But having Danico Autry be this like chess piece that the Titans now have to move outside sometimes instead of playing him next to Jeffrey Simmons, I think that could work out for the New York Giants. Danico Autry is a, is a hell of a football player. But now you're removing him from the interior and you have to plug somebody else in there and he has to kind of play this edge position similar to like a Jihad Ward just not having him right next to Jeffrey Simmons could assist the New York Giants rushing attack, which I think should be one of their primary focuses in this game is to get Saquon Barkley going through the air and on the ground. So I think that's one good thing that they definitely have going for them. I want to flip to the offensive side of the ball in a second, but first I want to actually, before we move forward to that, talk a little bit about one more thing from a matchup standpoint on the other side of the ball. And that's this. We talk a lot, or we just discussed how, you know what, both of us kind of feel pretty confident the Giants have a chance to get an edge at the point of attack with the lines on the line of scrimmage. But you then mentioned something that popped into my head and I'm like, well, if the Titans do run a lot of 12 in this game, 12 personnel means two tight ends, two receivers, maybe a little 13, maybe a little 21 with a fullback. I don't know if they're going to do that, but if they run a lot of 12, I feel good about the point of attack, Nick, but I don't really know what the hell else the Giants are going to do at the second level. Because you got four guys in the line of scrimmage. Obviously, we feel very good about them. The Giants will probably play that style of defense if they're lining up against 12 often. But I don't know, man. I don't feel comfortable at all with Tay Crowder as a run defender at all. And then there's Calitro and Micah McFadden. So I wonder if I'm maybe overstating the potential edge they have there just because at the second level, things are so scary, I guess is the way I would describe it. Yeah, they're very scary. They're going to have to really be on their run keys. Hopefully, the guys up front can keep them clean enough to right. execute their run fits, keep them relatively clean, and then they can make their tackles. That's what we're hoping for. And biggest question mark on the Giants' defense. We were go through each unit. Biggest question mark on the Giants' defense right now, heading into week one against this opponent, isn't Aaron Robinson. And that's a pretty damn big question, Dan. It's that linebacker position. Right. That has to be the biggest question mark. And the biggest question mark on the offense I guess it would be what the interior offense. I mean, there's a lot, the interior offensive there's line against Jeffrey Simmons. What are we going to see out of this wide receiver core? How much are we going to get out of Sterling Shepard? Is Kenny Galladay, 
yes, Kadarius Tony is Kenny Galladay complete dust. How is Daniel Jones going to handle these simulated pressures? Are going to be coming from all over the place? Is he going to be able to throw hot when he has to throw hot? Is he going to be able to account for the pressure package that is just going to be in his face all the time? I, I got, there's a lot of questions with the Giants offense right now. And the one thing that I feel confident in, and I'm not even sure if maybe we're overstating this, but the one feel I, thing I feel kind of confident in is Saquon Barkley, bro. Saquon Barkley, I feel like we're confident in, but we haven't seen Saquon Barkley be Saquon Barkley since the end of 2019. Now, a lot of that is due to injury. The offense is a, is a unique one, and I'm just glad right now that Brian Dable is the one pulling the strings and not Jason Garrett, and that should be a step in and of itself. And I was a bit surprised where after they cut Blake Martinez, the Giants didn't go out there and sign one of those kind of two-down thumper type, run-key type, diagnoses run-key, plays the run solidly type backers. Because they've done that so often in the past under Judge, under Shermer, under McAdoo. Really, for a long time, the Giants have found those types of guys. The David Mayos, the the dude they got from New England, who I forgot, I'm forgetting his name, that they had the, all the guys. I, mean, I don't even remember their names really right now because I don't care. They were never players of any long-term significance or even in a lot of ways they weren't really short-term impactors too so i think that kind of speaks volumes to where this defense is moving from a schematic standpoint where it's moving from a long-term view standpoint with joe shane how wink marndale wants to run a defense how he doesn't really feel the need to have those types of players i guess you could say so with all that said i'll be interested to see how it stacks up when you go against a team like this like the titans are going to run a lot of heavy personnel let's flip the other side of the ball i think we're both in agreement here that this is probably going to be the game where the Giants want to maximize Saquon Barkley because, A, they haven't had a lot of time to work with their passing game. Daniel Jones, no connection with Gary Tony, basically the whole offseason. Daniel Jones, minimal connection with Kenny Galladay, despite him being on the field the whole offseason. Daniel Jones, no connection with Sterling Shepard this offseason, at least, because he's been hurt. Wondell Robinson, I haven't seen much yet. I saw a little bit early in camp. I haven't seen much yet. But one thing I know is that Saquon Barkley looked really good in camp. He looked healthy. He looked explosive. He looked fresh. And the Titans are a team that profiles as a better pass defense than run defense, both based on personnel that they have and production that they've done. So this is a good game for the Giants to kind of try to grind out Joe Judge style. I know it sucks. It's not what we want. It's not what we said we're going to see this season in our bowl predictions. I don't think it's going to be the case for the whole year. I think it'll take time, and eventually things will transition. And I think in his nature, Brian Dables just and Mike Kafka are just not dudes that are going to call out of runs. I just That's just how I feel about them at, at the core of who they believe in. But more so than we expect and more so what they've shown in the past, yeah, I think that could be the case because the Giants could get a nice little head start with some with some excellent defensive series where they're holding the Titans to a field goal or punt. And then the best option might be to just lean on the Evan Neal moving forward in the run game. Lean on Mark Lewinsky moving forward in the run game, two areas where both of them are better at. Lean on John Feliciano moving forward in the run game. It's another area he's better at. And whoever they end up with at left guard, my expectation is that he'll be better moving forward as a run blocker, too. Now, Andrew Thomas probably better on an island than a run blocker, and that's not to take away from what he can do on a, as a run blocker. It just shows the kind of progress he's made on an island as a pass blocker. But with four of their five offensive linemen really better in one regard, and with the uncertainty right now with the Giants pass game, I really do want this to be a run heavy focus for the Giants. Now that can mean some extension of the, uh, of the run game type pass play calls. I'm good with that too. In space, give them a chance to miss tackles, give them a chance to create yards after contact to force missed tackles on the Giants side. But really Nick, I'm not looking for them to be as pass heavy in this game as I will in other games. And hopefully the Giants defense can hold up long enough to allow the Giants offense to do that. Because if you give up two touchdowns, go down 14, nothing against the team, 
that runs the football as well as the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Running the football might end up not being an option for you down the stretch of the game because just the way football works and time and everything. So hopefully, I mean, it's all married together, dude. It's all married together. The Giants, they have their work cut out for them. I mean, I think there is a possibility they could win this game. I'm just not picking it that way. So let's do it. Let's pick this game and let's wrap up there. Give me your prediction for this game. The Giants are now all the way up to six and a half point underdogs. All right. 24-20 Tennessee Titans win. Okay. I like it. So you think the Giants will cover. I also do think the Giants will cover this game. We both are picking them against the spread here. I think the Giants is going to be a weird game where they're leading for a decent chunk of this game and ultimately end up losing in the end, that type of game. We've seen this happen a lot. I'm going to go 23-19 Titans, a weird score where the Giants are kicking field. There's a lot of field goal attempts. There's turnovers that lead to quick field goals with three uh, with three and outs or with one first down and a field goal attempt. Just that type of grindy game where the Giants have a lead. In the end, the t- and they'll be up, let's say, 19-16, and the, and the Titans have a one final touchdown drive to go 23-19. Giants get the ball back, and they're unable to get a touchdown. That's kind of how I see this game playing out. Who catches the touchdown? Let's let's really get into it here, Dan. Kyle Phillips. I think it's Kyle, Kyle Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, I think he's gonna have a pretty big game against the Giants. Oh man, wouldn't that be something? Not for us, but <laughs> it would happen. It would be something we'd have to talk about for sure. All right, thanks so much for tuning into the Big Blue Banter podcast. Hope you enjoyed our breakdown and preview of the game and our discussion with John Glennon. Keep it locked and loaded in the Big Blue Banter podcast. There will be some fun podcasts coming up after this one for the weekend crowd. Or for the Friday crowd, let's say, because we'll probably post this one on Thursday night. And those won't be Giants related, but they're going to be fun NFL related. If you enjoy listening to our NFL analysis, tune into those. Otherwise, we'll talk to you Sunday night after the game. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.